الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله this is the second week of our tafsir session inshallah we'll be starting on surah al-fatiha today hopefully we get through some ayahs inshallah so surah al-fatiha the meaning of al-fatiha um, is often translated as the opener or the opening, Al-Fatiha. It uh, has many other names as well, like uh, Ummul Kitab, it has the name, the mother of the book, or Ummul Quran, the mother of the Quran, or the source of the book or the Quran. Um, other names like Al-Hamd is referred to as Surah Al-Hamd, or simply by As-Salah, the prayer. It's also called Al-Shifa, the cure and ruqya, the uh, protection, if you like, of, of uh, against illness or what normally people use it against jinn today. Um, also, another name is Asas al-Quran, the foundation of the Quran. And we'll, we'll discover why a lot of the names to do with Surah Al-Fatiha is linked to the, the source of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَاكَ سَبَعًا مِنَ الْمَثَانِ وَالْقُرْآنَ لَغْضِيمٌ Indeed, we have given you the seven oft-repeated verses. We have given you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa we have given you the seven oft-repeated, meaning these seven verses are repeated often, repeated much. And the Qur'an al-Azim. So a lot of the scholars, a lot of the mufassirin, they said the seven verses here refer to a surah al-Fatiha. But if it's surah al-Fatiha, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then say, wal-Qur'an al-Azim? Why is it separated? How can it be surah Fatiha? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, wal-Qur'an al-Azim. Surah Fatiha is like, a, it's, it's the introduction of the Qur'an. It's the prologue, it's the introduction, it's the summary. It's the concise, if you like, condensed. The whole of the Qur'an is contained in Surah Al-Fatiha. So any introduction to a book or an executive set summary to a big report, you can almost say it's part of the report or part of the book, but it's also self-contained, it's separate in a way as well, in that it has its own meanings within the introduction or the summary. So Surah Al-Fatiha is exactly like that. The whole of the Qur'an, its principal key meanings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about throughout the Qur'an is contained in the verses of Surah Al-Fatiha. So this is why it's called Ummul Kitab, the, the mother of the book or the source of the book, or Asasul Kitab, Asasul Qur'an, the foundation of the Qur'an. The, the Surah Al-Fatiha is, is part of the Qur'an without a doubt. It's all agreed upon, obviously. But it's also a, a self-contained Surah, a self-contained chapter that summarizes everything of the Qur'an. One of the reasons they said that it's summarized, why is it, why is it summarized the whole of the Qur'an? How? Because they said the Qur'an covers three main areas. 
the Quran, any verse of the Quran, will talk about three main areas. What, what are those three? Either Tawheed, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, either about Sharia, the revealed law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the guidance, either our Sharia or the Sharia of the past nations. Or it will talk about the Day of Judgment, meaning everything of the hereafter. These are the three areas that are covered by the whole entire Qur'an. Any surah you pick up, any verses, it will fall under one of these three areas. Surah Al-Fatiha, as we will see, contains all three. So from this we can see Surah Al-Fatiha, as I mentioned, one of the names of Surah Al-Fatiha is As-Salah. It is also called the prayer. So one of the wisdoms and connections and, and meanings of Surah Al-Fatiha being called As-Salah is if you really think about it and reflect, if As-Surah Al-Fatiha is the entire Qur'an condensed, summarized, then essentially what we're doing as believers when we're reciting Surah Al-Fatiha, which we all know that it's obligatory According to the majority of the scholars, it's obligatory to recite Surah Al-Fatiha and wajib, according to the Ahnaf. Same thing practically, there's no difference. If we have to recite Surah Al-Fatiha every Salah, what are we doing? In effect, we are reciting the entire Qur'an. We are reciting the entire meaning of the Qur'an. But why we don't feel, feel that way is if you take Ramadan, what happens in Ramadan? in uh, taraweeh, in the prayers in the evening. We hear the imams reciting the entire Qur'an over 30 days. Right? What's the feeling we get? Boost of iman, the moving verses, the, the tears sometimes when, when the imam is reciting and breaks down on a particular ayah or the description of the hellfire and jannah, of the day of judgment, of the prophets of the past, of the believers of the Prophet Muhammad and the struggles of the believers. We, we, we read all of this or we hear all of this in the whole month of Ramadan over 30 days, the entire Qur'an. What is the effect on our Iman? What is the effect on our Amal, on our action, on our obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, on our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's huge. People look forward to Ramadan. People look forward to the evening prayers. But in effect, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a surah which is potentially can have the same impact on you and me in every salah. But the problem is, when you have a summary, if you haven't read the report, or you don't know the book, the summary or the introduction will make little sense. An introduction or a summary, it won't give us the full flavor because we don't know the book. We don't, we don't read the Qur'an enough. We don't read it with meaning. We don't know the different chapters of the Qur'an. We don't know the themes of the Qur'an. Enough for Surah Al-Fatiha to become this summary, this powerful, condensed summary of the Qur'an in every raqa that we pray in Salah. If only our relationship with the Qur'an was such that we, read the, we finish the Qur'an maybe every month or two months, we're very familiar with all the subjects of the Qur'an. We're very familiar with all the contents. If that was the case, then Surah Al-Fatiha would have a different impact on us in every Salah. So having said that, um, 
let's start with the first verse alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin and uh, all of the uh, scholars believe that seven surah al-fatiha has seven verses there's ikhtilaf is bismillahir rahmanir rahim part of surah al-fatiha or not those who count it as part of surah al-fatiha they merge two ayahs in in surah al-fatiha make it seven those who say bismillahir rahmanir rahim is not part of surah al-fatiha It's a separate, independent ayah. They also count Surah Al-Fatiha as seven verses. So this is agreed upon. And the ayah that I quoted um, in Surah Al-Hijr, verse number 87, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَاكَ سَبْعًا مِنَ الْمَثَانِ وَالْقُرْآنَ الْعَظِيمِ This verse which talks about the seven oft-repeated verses, in, in effect talks about the seven uh, verses of Surah Al-Fatiha, according to the majority of scholars. This verse in itself has seven words. So this is one of the miracles of the Quran. This verse in itself has seven words and it's talking about the seven oft-repeated verses. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins with Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. How would you translate Alhamdulillah usually? What does it mean? Praise be to Allah or all praise be to Allah. The scholar said alhamd has three, at least three meanings. And if you, the more tafsirs you open, you'll, you'll probably get more meanings. But at least three common ones are found in majority tafsir books. It has the meaning of a thana, which is praise, more or less. It has the meaning of a shukr, which is thanks. And it also has the meaning of a rida, which is to be content, to be pleased. All these three meanings are in contained in the word alhamd. So when we say alhamdulillah, the first meaning of thana is to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the difference between the first and the second, the difference between alhamd and the shukr, the difference between thana, praise, and shukr, thanks, or gratitude, is that praise is due to something or someone, even if they haven't done you any favors. So if they are of some, you know, if, if they have some praiseworthy qualities in of themselves, right? It may be a fantastic sports person, the best footballer on earth, the, the best athlete, the, the best racing driver, or the best scientist, or whatever, whatever, the richest person, the most successful businessman. He can be praised even though he hasn't done you any favors. You may praise him. Right? That's thana or that's hamd. That's praising somebody without them doing anything for you. With a shukr, which is thanks, it only applies with when somebody does you a favor. In return, you give thanks. You don't say to somebody thank you if they haven't given you anything or done anything for you. So this is the slight difference between hamd and shukr or a thana and a shukr. What we're saying with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, or what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is explaining, is that alhamd, praise, and the alif lam here, those who know some Arabic, is usually used in the word to make it definite. Alhamd, you can translate it here as the praise. When you say al-bayt, it means the house. But here also, alif lam can be also used for other things. So here is alif lam lil istighraq. It means Alif Lam here encompasses all types of praises. 
every single praise that you and I can think of and beyond belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah. So what, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us before he created us, before he created anything, he was praiseworthy. He is the praised one. All hamd belongs to him. After his creation, after he's given us so many bounties and blessings, given us life, given us parents and rizq, the air to breathe, the water to drink and the food to eat, all praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All types of praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, and, and in terms of what does it belong to, you know, what is it we're praising about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Three things. One is his names. And hamd means the opposite of uh, uh, blameworthy. So if you find something defective or you find a shortcoming in something, you know, it's called an aib in Arabic. The opposite is when you, uh, when you praise it. So automatically when you praise something, you're praising its perfection, especially with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what are we praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for? Three things. All of his names, they are perfect, they are complete, they are all praiseworthy and beautiful. Secondly, we're praising all of his attributes. All of his attributes. So there's a difference. Some, some names are attributes and names. Some are just attributes. Attributes are more related to actions. Or we discover the attributes when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes something. So in his names, in his attributes, and all of his actions, he is praiseworthy. What does this mean? If he is praiseworthy and all of his actions and names and attributes are perfect, how can me and you complain about anything? How can we say, oh, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me this test? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take away my job? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not allow me to pass my exams with a distinction? Or why did I fail these exams? Why did I have this road accident? Why did I injure myself? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take away my child or my brother or sister or my parents or grandfathers? How can we complain about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when Allah himself is saying Alhamdulillah, meaning all praise of perfection is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his names, in his attributes and all of his actions. All of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's actions are praiseworthy and are perfect. So therefore, how can we complain, number one, about anything in life? We can't because there's a wisdom why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed this to happen. We were talking, you know, the open day last Sunday, visit my mosque. Um, the, the, there was an elderly gentleman from Germany, I think. Um, he asked many questions about Qur'an. He asked many questions about Qur'an. Born in the Christian faith, probably goes to church and everything. But his biggest, biggest problem was, how can God allow the refugees to drown in, in the Mediterranean? How can God allow children to starve? What have they done? How, how can God do this? He cannot be just. This is the biggest problem he had. And he's troubled by it. He's an elderly gentleman. He's troubled by all religions because of this question. 
But subhanallah, in, in our tradition, on a basic level of education about the perf per perfect names and attributes and actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this question is answered. This question is answered. One, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us free will. He's allowed us to do evil. If, the, if, we, if I can't commit a sin, if I can't harm somebody, what will I get tested by? There's no free will. If I can only do good, that means I don't have free will. I don't like using the word free will because that's another meaning. But just for understanding, if I don't have my own choice of action to do good or bad, is there any test? There's no test. That's number one. Number two, no matter what harm I do to anybody, he or she will get full, perfect justice on the Day of Judgment. He or she may not get it now on, in this world. He or she may not get justice in this world. But on the Day of Judgment, he or she will get full justice. And the person who committed the crime will also get their full punishment. So on the Day of Judgment, the perfect balance will be re-established. Even if today we think, how could this evil action be allowed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If he's so kind, if he's so Rahman and Rahim, how can he allow this, this, this to happen? On the Day of Judgment, it will be all paid back, no matter what happens. Thirdly, there is a wisdom in his actions, in that suffering, in that crime being committed, in that suffering. There is other wisdoms, many, many wisdoms, which we cannot elaborate on and we can't count all of these wisdoms. Whatever comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his actions are perfect because alhamdulillah, he's he is praiseworthy in every single action that he does. We, me and you may not understand the action, but he is still praiseworthy on it. It is perfect. It is beneficial for humanity. It is beneficial for the believers. But it's just that we don't understand. So that's the praise bit. The shukr, the definition of shukr is to... Um, be obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to show gratitude. For us to say thanks is just by words. Somebody does you a favor, you say thank you. One word. Somebody complained, they said, subhanallah, this one word, you get away with everything. Someone does you a massive favor, you just say this two words, thank you, and that's it. You don't have to pay them back anything. You, you don't have to suffer anything. You don't have to spend anything. You just say thank you. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is different. It's not enough to just say it. Shukr means to show gratitude through your speech, through your actions and with your heart. In your heart, through your speech and your actions. In obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in refraining from that which he forbids. So that is the definition of shukr with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To utilize everything he's given you of your intellect, of your speech, of your physical body and whatever wealth and everything he's given you in his obedience, in his service and to stay away from those things that he's forbidden. So that is shukr. And the last thing is rida. Remember, these are all within the meaning of alhamd. All, all thanks is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of my gratitude through speech, through my actions, 
through my heart, in my heart, who I acknowledge is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all of my praises is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And lastly, the rida, contentment, that whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whichever situation He's put you and I in, whichever situation you find yourself in as a community, as an ummah, we have to be content. We have to be content. We say what? Alhamdulillah. Because we know all of his actions are perfect. This ummah may be weak. It may be oppressed at the moment. It may be so many things we can go on and on. But this, I'm not saying this so the ummah or, or the community or you and I as individuals, we don't do anything about it. No, don't get me wrong. But the first state is not to panic, is not to go into a state of uh, just reactionary anger and lose it all and, and respond in an un-Islamic way. The first state is to acknowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put us in this situation with his perfect knowledge and his perfect action and his perfect decree. And this is all under the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The other thing that, so all of these three things combined is in alhamd. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us the first introduction to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to be content, is to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is to show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the thing about praise is very important. The hamd. What is the sickness of our times? It's about individual arrogance, individual boasting. I have achieved this. Look at me. Look at how many houses I have. Look at how many businesses I have. Look how successful I am. Look what I've achieved. Look how many degrees I have. Look how many books I've read. Look, it's all about me, me, me. Alhamdulillah. Our society is about Alhamdulillah. The praise, all praise is to me. This is our society. So this first opening ayah just puts us in our place. We should be humble. All of the gifts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you and me of wealth, of talent, of achievement, of finance, of business, whatever it is, who does it belong to? It belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah. It's coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a blessing. It's nothing to do with me and you. I don't own my body. I didn't choose where I was born. I didn't choose my parents. I didn't choose my house. I didn't choose which school my parents sent me to. I didn't choose to the food that I, I was given. How can the hamd be to me? Everything was given to me. Everything was decided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My intellect, I didn't create my intellect. My talents, yes, I might work hard and improve my intellect. But even that, the tawfiq is given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So everything we have, believers should be humble. Everything we have achieved. But again, we have to balance it out. People say, oh, does that mean then, you know, never ever talk about yourself, never praise anybody, never uh, talk about what you've achieved. No. There is a balance. You can do that. Fine. Where it's needed. There may be places where it's needed. If, if there was a call for, you know, who's a doctor here? There, there's, a, there's a need for a doctor. You don't be humble and say, Alhamdulillah, you know, I'm not going to put my hand up. 
No, you say, I'm qualified, I'm a doctor. There's a need. Where there's a need, you can praise yourself or identify yourself as achieving X, Y, and Z. Or you go to a job interview, you have to praise yourself in a way. I've achieved this, I've done this. But there's a balance. You can do that as long as you're not deluded into thinking that it's truly all me. That this wealth that I have, this pride and arrogance, that I'm above others, or this talent I have, or this lineage I'm born in, or this status that I have, this is all because of me. It's down to me. No, it's to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, ya Rabbil Alameen. The other, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues, Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah, then Rabbil Alameen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduces after saying that, oh sorry, before we go on to that, quick one, one or two things on alhamd. Uh, the Prophet wasallam. there's a few hadith which are slightly weak, um, but the meaning is, is authentic. You can have weak hadith, but the content or the meaning is proven by something else, either the practice of the Prophet wasallam or the Qur'an verse, or something else. So one, one of the hadith uh, is in Tirmidhi and Nasa'i and Ibn Majah. أَفْضَلُ الذِّكْرِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَفْضَلُ الدُّعَاءِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ This one I haven't checked. It may be sahih, it may be weak. I don't know. Allah alam. But the best, the Prophet is reported to have said, the best dhikr is لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ and the best dua is Alhamdulillah. This hadith, the second one, this is the one which people have said is weak. مَا أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ عَبْدٍ نِعْمَةً فَقَالْ أَلْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ إِلَّا كَانَ الَّذِي أَعْطَى أَفْضَلَ مِمَّا أَخَذ That Allah has not given, has not blessed a bounty upon his slave except that when the slave says Alhamdulillah He's saying Alhamdulillah is better than whatever bounty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. And a similar meaning of a hadith, the Prophet is reported to say, if the slave was given the whole earth and everything, all the treasures that are in there, every, everything in there, all the goods, and it belonged to you, and then you say Alhamdulillah, he said that hum, that praise to Allah is better than the whole world and everything in it. But the meaning is true. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, الصالحات, the, the good deeds that endure, that remain, these are better in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this, this, why is it better than everything in the world? Everything in this world will be disappearing. It's temporary, it's finite. It's going to disappear. You may, have, you may own the whole earth, but it's going to disappear. Whatever money you have, possessions, material goods, Whatever you have, it's going to disappear. But this Alhamdulillah, if it's accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if it's said sincere, sincerely, it is there for eternity. You will, you will eat from its fruits in Jannah forever. And the Prophet said, which I mentioned part of it last week, which is Sahih in Muslim, At-Tuhuru Shatrul Iman, Walhamdulillah. That purification or 
staying pure through wudu or things like that, cleanliness, if you like, or purity, is half of iman. Walhamdulillah, saying alhamdulillah, praise be to Allah, it fills the mizan, it fills the scales on the day of judgment. And subhanallah, walhamdulillah, both together, fill up whatever is between the heavens and the earth. So this is the virtues, some of the virtues of just saying Alhamdulillah. So a couple of points to reflect from this. As we mentioned, that when we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everything, and we know He is the owner of everything, we can never ever be disappointed. We can never ever feel weak, dispossessed, discriminated against, or a failing community. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the one who owns everything. He is the one who is giving everything. Like one of the stories Sheikh Akram always says, um, a, a film star was boasting about his possessions. He said, I have this, that, chauffeur-driven car, money. And he may have been joking to a child and said, what do you have? And the child said, I have my mother. The child said, I have my mother. You've got all of this, fine. I've got my mother. The, the point was to a child, the mother is everything. To a child, if the child is crying, he or she, if she's four years old, five, six even, if he or she is crying for his mother or her mother, and you give them chocolates and toys and money and TV and PS4 and five, whatever, that crying is not going to stop until the mother returns. For the child, nothing can satisfy the child except for the mother. And he was given the example, this is how we should be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if nothing should console us in this dunya, if we don't have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nothing, no wealth, no fame, no possessions, no talents, no lineage, no status, should console us or make us happy if we don't have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then none of this matters. We need it, of course, to live our lives and to get by, etc. But it's a means, it's not the end. What matters is being with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is some of the points to take from Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Alameen is, again, two more names or attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is a Rabb. Rabb is the one who sustains, the one who nourishes, the one who looks after everything, the one who manages everything. So he's not, he's not just Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just created and left us. Every moment of our day, every, every minute, every hour, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking care of us. We cannot imagine how he is sustaining us from our risk to everything to the whole universe this is our Rabb and Rabbul Alameen Lord of all the worlds everything apart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be counted as Alameen all of the worlds or all of the creation this is Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen and then you have uh, we go on to Maliki Yawmiddin. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. We done last week, so we won't go over it again. 
then Malik Yawmiddin. So all this time now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduced himself with saying that everything belongs to him. He runs everything. All of the praise is due to him. All of gratitude is due to him. And on top of that, he is the owner of the worlds. He is the master of the worlds. And he is merciful and compassionate. And then he comes to Malik Yawmiddin. So now there's a bit of, first of all it was praise, praise, mercy, hope, love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and now a bit of a pause. Malik Yawmiddin, what does this mean? Malik is the owner, or if the other reading, Malik is king. King and owner of the Day of Judgment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now introducing the fact that we will be judged. He's given you all these blessings. He owns everything in this universe. He's given you whatever you have of, of untold blessings. Ni'mah after ni'mah. But for all of these blessings, you will be accountable on the day of judgment. One day the Prophet وسلم, he, he was very hungry. He came out of his house because he was so hungry. In a way he was thinking, perhaps a sahaba will invite him for, for lunch. And then he came out, he saw another sahaba come out, and he asked him, وسلم, what brings you out? And the sahaba said the same thing, hunger. He's hungry too. Then they meet another sahaba, and he invites them both for a meal. So they're both hungry, nothing to eat at home. And this sahaba, third sahaba, second sahaba, he takes them, he, he, he prepares some food, he gives them the food. And then uh, the Prophet ﷺ, after eating this simple dish, whatever they had, it couldn't have been much. The, after eating this simple dish, the Prophet ﷺ said, this is what you will be asked about on the Day of Judgment. This is the blessing, this simple food. Not about, we just think, oh, you know, if Allah blesses me with the best car, with, with massive amounts of money, oh, that's scary. I have to answer for that. Or if Allah makes me really rich, then I will have to answer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, even the basic simple meal, the Prophet said, this is what you will be asked about on the Day of Judgment. So here, Malik Yawmiddin is, is a straight to the point. The point of telling you all of this, that all praise is due to Allah, the gratitude is due to Allah, all the blessings come from Him, is that you will be accountable. This is your purpose in this life, to be accountable on the day of judgment. And then, We won't be able to finish it today. But they said this half up to now is, is one half of Surah Al-Fatiha, in a way. And this, this is a central pillar of Surah Al-Fatiha. You alone we worship and you alone we seek assistance from. This is a central pillar of the Surah. And they said this is the central meaning of the Quran. This is the central meaning of a believer's life. They said in Surah Fatiha there are two types of knowledge. Two types of knowledge. One is knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second knowledge is knowledge of how to obey or how to do worship. Knowledge of amal and, and ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second part comes into how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the first part, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, all of this until now, 
his knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his names, his perfect attributes. And in these names are the key names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's, he's been Malik, Malik Yawmiddin, he's been Rabb, Rabbul Alameen, he's been Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. These are the key names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which cover all of the other names. So here we're brought to this pillar of Surah Al-Fatiha. This is our whole purpose. And Ibn Abbas said, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he has not created jinn and mankind except to worship him. So our whole purpose is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to stay away from the haram. This is the whole reason we've been created. And Ibn Abbas says to know him. It means to also know him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has introduced himself here all this time and now he's showing us or telling us our purpose in this life, which is ibadah, obudiyah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And many of you who have read some Quran before, iyyaka na'budu, this sentence structure, iyyaka, this, it is, if you translate it straight, you, it is you alone do we worship in English. Meaning there's nobody else. You, you restrict your worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no one else you worship. It is solely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A singular focus of your worship is a tawheed. You alone do we worship. But what is the meaning of ibadah? Most of us have been brought up to think of the ritual ibadah. Salah, zakat, hajj, going to umrah, this type of ibadah. But ubudiyah is, is something else. It's all-encompassing. It is the state of a slave in all his actions, in his thinking, in his desires, in his ambitions, in his priorities, in his focus throughout the day and the night. doesn't matter if he's at work or if he's in college or school or if he's in business or in the masjid or at home. He is in a state of ubudiyah. He is in a state of servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the great purpose of, of mankind. This is the great, there's two purposes, ibtila and ubudiyah, which we mentioned last week. To be tried and tested and to be in a state of servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, you alone do we worship. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings, nasta'in. Uh, that you cannot worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We, me and you don't have the power. We don't have the ability. We don't have the knowledge to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't have the tawfiq. The only way we can do that is through your help. You alone do we seek al-awn from. We seek the assistance and the help, the support from, to do the ibadah. To be in a state of servitude. So again, there's no pride in somebody who is very good in his salah or in his recitation or does lots of nafal or does lots of umrahs or does lots of hajj or is spending lots of money in charity. There is no pride in that because you're only doing it through the help and support and the tawfiq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we have to realize that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described himself, 
with all these perfect qualities. One of the things they said when you reflect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's names and attributes and all of his blessings, like he says in the Quran, in If you were to count the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you would not be able to count them, you would not be able to enumerate them. They are uh, unlimited. They are coming, descending upon me and you every moment of our lives. So if we're not able to do that, if we're not able to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anything of, of, uh, of worth, what is our ibadah? It's deficient. What is our hamd and dua and, and uh, repentance? It's all deficient. When we go to salah, we're, we're thinking about other things. When we do 10 good deeds, we do 20 bad deeds. We commit sin day and night. So anything we return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deficient. Is not worthy of presentation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So by this method, we come to learn about our own state. That we are weak. That we are deficient. That we are completely dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We cannot even praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without tawfiq from Him. Without strength from Him. Without the intellect and the speech and the tongue from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are completely helpless in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are completely dependent. And this is the meaning of Allah. This is the meaning of As-Samad. As-Samad, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ اللَّهُ As-Samad. As-Samad is the one which everybody is dependent on. And he is not dependent on anybody else. So we realize that it, this ubudiyya, this state of servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we cannot achieve, we cannot do, we cannot implement without calling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help without his aid, without his blessing, without his tawfiq. So, inshallah, next week we'll continue. Um, there's, there's a few more things to say on ubudiyah, especially um, from some of our great scholars of the past who have explained it much better, who have gone into its detail. And then we'll move on to the remainder of the ayahs, inshallah, next week. Jazakumullah khairan.